Hi there, my name is Jeff, and I'll bring you the second Bible reading from Matthew 10, verses 28 to 33. Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to reflect on your rule and sovereign power over all, that you'll help us understand and see who you really are, that even in the mess of the world, we might find comfort that you do reign. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the question that we'll be considering today is, God, if you're in control, then why is the world so out of control? And I suspect many of us would have thought or reflected, we might even be thinking about this question right now, given the life that we are living. But if you consider life on its many aspects and on its many levels all around the world, there is always something that is happening somewhere in our lives or around the world to which we'll say, it's just not meant to be that way. Life is not meant to be like that. People are not meant to behave that way. It's just all out of control. I mean, you've probably heard enough about the pandemic already, but it's hard to avoid it, is it? But it should at least highlight that truth again, that very point. This virus, which we can't even see, but has brought its, our world to its knees, ravaged and devastated our world, and we're in lockdown again. But you can see so much of our world is just out of control. Or on the world scale, apart from the virus, refugees is still a problem. There are about 82.4 million people worldwide who, who are out of their home, forcibly displaced. Poverty is still a problem. There are about 800 million people living in poverty. That's one in nine people living under $2 a day. It's hard to believe with all the wealth in the world, there are still people dying from starvation. I mean, it makes you feel a little bit guilty. It makes me feel a little bit guilty each time I buy a coffee for four bucks. Or well, crime around the world still happens. Every corner of the world, there is still child slavery, prostitution, homicide, violent abuses, and the list just goes on. It's, it's just out of control. In fact, if you look back on history, every century, every decade, every year, every week, in fact, somewhere in the world there is some crisis happening, whether it's the virus or some economic crisis or acts of terrorism or wars. Over the last few decades, we've seen so many wars in our world, the war in Syria, in Yemen, Iraq, Afghanistan, the Gulf War, the Vietnam War, Korean War, the two great wars. And then, of course, you've got the natural disasters. It's hard to forget 
what happened in 2004 when over 200,000 people died because of the tsunami. And you put all of that together and it just feels a bit overwhelming. It's just all out of control. But yet we have even not yet touched on our own individual personal lives. Because how many of us can say our lives are completely and totally in order? It's all under control. No problems, no surprises, no worries. I mean, if that is you, you can write a book and it'll become a bestseller. But just within the circle of, the, of people I know, I mean, there are so many things that, things that are happening. There are some who are undergoing chemo at the moment. No one plans for that. One had surgery this past week. There are quite a few people I know dealing with very difficult, and it's often heartbreaking to hear, mental illness. It's often debilitating. Another, I heard, only a few years ago, resorting to drugs because life was so painful. It's just a way to numb the pain. Yesterday, a friend told me that she just experienced a miscarriage not long ago. And then there are households within a household where you're meant to find peace and harmony, but not in these households. And of course, there are those who are harboring bitterness in their heart, and it just eats them away. It's just all out of control, even on an individual level. And so you put the world, our lives, put it all together, and you see everything's just out of place, out of joint. Not only is the world out of control, many of our lives are out of control. Now, we might be a bit stoic and we say, well, that's just life. And that's often how many people reflect on it. That's just life. Take it on the chin and just get on with life. And in a sense, that's all you can do if there is no God. But you see here, we find that there is a God. There is a God who is ruling from above. And you are here because you want to listen to the Christian perspective and the Christian worldview. There is a God. But what type of God is he? And has he lost control? I mean, you've got a few options if you try to reconcile God and the world. Well, did God create the world? He stood back and he left the world to its own devices. He does not interfere with the affairs of the world. And so he does not control. And so all the problems we see are our own doing. Well, some view this as the clockmaker God. And some see God as this type of God. And the word here is deism, that God sort of wound up the world like winding up a clock and just let it go. But you see, that's not the God of the Bible. And that is not God. Because what we find in the Christian God is that he remains active, active in his own creation. Or did God create the world and the world became so big, so many elements happening, it grew beyond his power to control and now he's just out of his depth. He's not powerful enough to manage the millions of elements that need to happen every second to keep control over the world. And so if that is the view of some, you, you don't blame God for the mess, you pity God. But again, that is not the God of the Bible. That's not God. He's more than 
powerful, he's infinitely so, and he remains in control. Or is God more like the ancient gods where the realm of his power and influence is limited and restricted? You find that amongst the Greek gods, the Roman gods, even in Hinduism. You, you want a good harvest, and so who do you go to? Well, you go to the god of harvest, the Greek god Demeter. Or you want to have a kid, you want to have a child, then you go to the fertility god, and in the ancient world, that was Baal or Aphrodite or Artemis. Or you go on a sea voyage and you want a safe sea travels, then you go to Poseidon. And so is God like that, where he's limited in his realm of influence and power? Well, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not God. The only God there is, is Master and Lord of all. Or could it be that the devil has gained the upper hand? And it is the devil who is regulating the affairs of the earth. Well, when we come to Scripture, we find that that is not the case at all because the devil is no equal to God. Any power he has is limited and restricted by God. And we see that in the story of Job. When Satan wanted to harm Job, he had to ask God for permission. And so what we find in the Bible is that it is God who is all-powerful, not even the devil. Well, if we listen to what God says and reveals of himself in Scripture, we actually get a better sense of how powerful he is. And so that first part of the question is true. If you are in control and God says, well, yes, I am. In our reading of Matthew, in our passage before, we are told that the sparrow will not fall to the ground and die apart from the will of God. Now, sparrows are not worth very much. There are, in fact, about 1.6 billion sparrows in the world. And so who cares if one falls to the ground? There would still be 1.5999 billion sparrows left. But that's the point. As insignificant as they are, it is God who determines the span, the lifespan of each and every one of them. I mean, you talk about power. That is the power of God. Or how many hairs, number of hairs, are there on your head? Have you ever tried to count? Well, you can say it's easier to count for some than others. It's easier to count the number of hairs on my head than Michelle's head, for example. But it's still not easy. I still have thousands upon thousands of hairs on my head and hope it will stay that way. But yet, what we find in our reading is that God has numbered every one of them. And not just one person, every single person. The billions of people around the world. God has numbered them all. And so that is meant to give us a sense of how powerful God is. That is power. You see, when we come to the God of the Bible, the only God there is, the Creator, we learn a few things about Him. And I'll put it into four points. The first one, he rules sovereignly and powerfully. Secondly, his ways are mysterious and wise. Thirdly, he acts lovingly and selflessly. And finally, finally, it will be seen eternally 
that God rules and reigns and is in control. And so we'll explore those four points in turn. The first one, God rules sovereignly and powerfully. You see, even in the mess of our world, God says he is still Lord and King. He still rules and reigns. He has absolute authority, absolute sovereignty, absolute supremacy as creator over all creation. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no power above him. And all powers are derived from him. In fact, even political powers, the powers of our government, they derive from God, the powers of our PM and our Premier derive from God. Now for some of you, this may be the first time you have heard of the God of the Bible, the Christian God. And it might sound a bit foreign. Who could ever possess such power? Well, that is God. That is God. It was perhaps when I was a teenager, when I was first confronted by how powerful God is how vast his powers are. And one of the passages was what we heard briefly in our kids' talk is from the book of Job. In the book of Job, God puts Job and his friends in their place as they try to question God, why are you doing what you are doing, God? And God puts them in their places by asking them some questions, and some of them are these. In Job 38, God says, Where were you when I laid the foundation, the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. It's meant to be a rhetorical question. Do you know how God formed the earth? The next one. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? It's meant to help us feel, Well, I wasn't there. I have no idea how you would measure that. Well, the next one. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Or have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Or what about the stars? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? Or do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? You see, those questions, how are we meant to answer that? I mean, they're rhetorical. We're meant to say, well, I can't do that. I'm just a mere creature. I'm not God. God is God. And I'm put in my place. And so as messy as our world might appear, and it is from our perspective, but from God's perspective, he still reigns. There is nothing that takes him by surprise. Behind every power is God's power. Behind every natural law, there is God, the lawmaker. Behind every life, there is God, the life giver. See, God even said in our first reading, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. It was, in fact, that verse that, that challenged me as a young man, coming to grips with the power of God. There's nothing that escapes God. All that happens is because of his sovereign purposes. And so, you see, God is not only God in name, 
but God in fact. But even though God is in control, there is another side to the coin, that is human responsibility. It is not set aside. We as human beings, we are still responsible for our thoughts, our desires and our actions. And much of the mess we see in the world is because of the mess we have created as human beings. In fact, the Bible, Jesus himself, speaks about the human heart, which comes from which comes all sorts of evil. And so part of the big mess of the world is the mess of the human heart. The problem with the world is the problem of the human heart. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 15, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And so if you think about that and you think about life and, and the stories you hear and see, how does someone bring themselves to killing another person? Well, that problem began in the heart with hatred. Or how does someone come to bring themselves to break their marriage vows, destroy their marriage and their family? Now, of course, it could be for various reasons. But one that is common enough is lust that begins in the heart. But yet, what we find in the Bible is that even in all that mess and all that we human beings are responsible for, God remains sovereign. God continues to work even in the mess in bringing all things according to his counsel and his will. God will bring about his purposes. And so what is that? What is the will of God? Well, it brings us to our second point. God's ways are mysterious and wise. There are many things that happen and we see and we experience that we just don't understand. Why is there evil and suffering? We'll reflect more on that next week. But even if we do not understand it does not mean they are not understandable. They may remain secret to us, but not to God. God who acts wisely beyond our understanding. You see, it's often the case even on a smaller scale, on a human scale. You know, it, it is often the case with us who are parents, for example. Our kids won't understand all the decisions we've made. Sometimes... To not be so overprotective, I might not be so overprotective of my kids just so that they might experience a little bit of pain. They might not understand, they might question why, but there is a purpose behind it. Or there will be times when I will not step in so that they will experience disappointments. They might not understand, but there is a purpose. But yet, when we come to God, how much more so I'm finite in my wisdom, but God is infinitely wise. And so in life there are things and there are many things which we don't understand, but it does not mean they are meaningless. I mean, listen to what God says in Isaiah. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are so many things that do happen in our world. 
and we do question, why did I get cancer? Why did I experience the miscarriage? Why is life often so difficult? While it often remains hidden to us, but it does not mean it's meaningless. God's ways are mysterious and wise. We may not know now, we may not know ever. Perhaps one day we will know when we come to face God. But God's ways are never random. That is the great truth of Scripture. God's ways are never random. Because God will always act consistently with his own character. And that is he is always wise, always good and always loving. And that brings us to the third point. You see, God is all-powerful and sovereign. But God uses his power lovingly and selflessly. He's not a despot who wields his power like a, a mad tyrant, capriciously and aimlessly. If that were the case, we would all have many things to fear. Instead, the God who is acts in love especially when we consider what he has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. It, it was meant to be the event, the event of Jesus Christ, the Easter story, that showed to the world how messy the world can get, how evil the world can get, how disastrous the world can be. All that happened around that Easter story. It, it was just pale wickedness, if you think about it. Jesus was betrayed by one of his close friends for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, you don't do that to a friend. Jesus was hated and despised only for being good, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, even raising the dead. But yet the rulers and the authorities, they hated him. They despised him. Jesus, who was completely innocent, declared guilty, sentenced to death like a criminal. I mean... That should not happen at all. Gross miscarriage of justice. Pilate, who knew Jesus to be innocent, was too much of a coward to do what was right. And the only good person in all of human history, crucified in the most brutal way on a Roman cross. I mean, all that could be out of control and wrong with the world was wrong at that point in the death of Jesus Christ. But yet... But yet God remained in control and in it he showed his love. And that's where we get that, that famous verse, John 3.16. God acted out in love, even in the messiness of the world. God said, for God so loved the world, he gave. Not merely that he, they took the life of his son out of their own wickedness, but God gave. God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so here we're talking about the sovereign almighty God who is all-powerful, ruling and reigning from heaven above. And what did he do with his power? What does he do with his power? He uses it in love, in giving us his son, Jesus Christ, that we might have a relationship with God. He's the bridge from us to God so that there will be eternal life for those who trust in him. 
You see, in the story of Jesus, the Easter story, it shows that even when the world is out of control, God remains in control, acting sovereignly in love, complete control. And finally, it will be seen in all eternity that God has been in control all along. Because history, you see, all of human history is headed somewhere. It is going to some point for which God has ordained. It is not just plodding along aimlessly. God has determined the end. And the end is that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is King. Some will do so willingly. Some will bend a knee, but some won't. But they will. You see, the end is that there will be a day of reckoning. And God has told us what the end will be like before it happens. And you can only do that if you're in control. And that is God. It's a bit like seeing the end of a movie. God explains it and shows it to the Apostle John. And we read in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, Revelation 21, the Apostle John, he saw, he wrote this down, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You see, all that is messy with our world now. And it is messy, it seems out of control, but it will all be made right one day. In the end, when God brings about his purposes, tears wiped, pain gone, all suffering a thing of the past, death itself gone. That is where human history is headed. And it will be like that for those who trust in Jesus. You see, God is even working now to bring about that purpose, even in all the messiness of our world. That is what the end will look like. And so, is the world out of control? I mean, from our perspective, every bit. It certainly looks that way. But from the perspective of God the Creator, He knows what He is doing. He's in total control like he always was and will be. He remains in control. He rules sovereignly and powerfully. His ways are mysterious and wise. We will not understand. We may ask why. There is a reason, but we may not know why. But he acts lovingly and selflessly, and we can trust in that always. God is not a despot, and it will be seen finally and eternally. It will be made clear one day to all of us. And so how does that help us make sense of the world and our lives today? Well, it can really only make sense, and you can really only make sense of it if you come to know this God who reigns. You see, knowing about a God somewhere does not help us. We have to actually know him personally. And unless we do, there is neither rest for our heart or peace for our mind. There is no making sense of anything. 
But you see, when I come to know this God, this God of the Bible, who is creator, when I come to trust him and trust that he even has all the hairs on my head numbered, he won't let me fall to the ground. Like a sparrow, he will not let a sparrow fall to the ground. I can find my life safe with him. And so the question, God, if you're in control, well, the answer is yes, he is in control. Why is the world out of control? Well, from our perspective, it is out of control. But from God's perspective, he's bringing about his good purposes. And if we can trust in God, who is sovereign, who reigns, then we can take the words of Jesus and believe it. You know, Jesus, in Matthew, he said, Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And so the question, God, are you in control? Well, yes, he is. Even in all the mess of this world? Well, yes, he is. He's bringing about his good purposes. And how do I find comfort and peace? Only if I turn to this God in trust. And so for those of you who are thinking about this question, we might know it just intellectually. We'll discuss it and it is worth doing. But it doesn't make a difference to us unless we not only know that God is sovereign, but we put our lives in the God who is in control. We may not understand, but we put our lives in the one who does. And so that is the challenge to you. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for how you have revealed yourself as the God who is sovereign, who works mysteriously and wisely in love for us, and finally, eternally, it will be seen. And so before then, help us now, and even those who are exploring, to put our trust in the God who is sovereign and Lord of all. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Amen.